You're listening to a Radio 1 91FM podcast. Solar tsunamis aren't something that many Kiwis are aware of, but they're beginning to become a topic of widespread conversation as the sun begins to enter a phase of high activity. Solar flares are explosions on the surface of the sun which throw out billions of tons of material into space in the form of a solar tsunami. There is roughly a 25% chance of an extreme solar event reaching Earth in the next 50 years. Depending on the magnitude of the solar event, the world could see extensive power outages as the effects of the solar tsunami disturb Earth's magnetic fields and overload the electrical grid. Professor Craig Rogers is a researcher from the University of Otago Department of Physics. Recently, Craig travelled to the Chatham Islands as part of a research team to install a magnetometer to better understand how magnetic fields vary across the country. I spoke to Craig about his research to better understand the sun's effects on Earth's magnetic fields, how New Zealand is preparing for a solar tsunami, and how concerned we should be about the likelihood of an extreme solar event. Hello, Craig. Thank you for joining me. Um, quickly, can you just describe to us what a solar flare is, what's a solar tsunami, and what sort of effects do these things have on planet Earth, and are they things we should be worrying about? Ooh, that's a huge set of questions, but that's all good. That's all good. I can explain that. So let's start with the solar flare. The solar flare is a gigantic explosion on the surface of the sun. Um, we're talking about the biggest explosions in the solar system, uh, literally billions of hydrogen bombs going off simultaneously. Now, if the solar flare goes off just inside the solar atmosphere. When that explosion takes place, it will launch a chunk of the sun's matter out into space. And technically, that's called a coronal mass ejection, the ejection of mass from the corona of the sun. But a good name for that is a solar tsunami. So that's the, there's the solar tsunami. You've got the explosion as the flare. That's a, mostly a, a big explosion and a blast of, of X-rays and gamma rays and stuff like that. And then the solar tsunami is launched from the sun out into space. Now, uh, some of them, only some of them are going to be directed towards the Earth because they could go in any direction, right? But some will be directed towards the Earth. So there's this cloud of plasma. Plasma is charged gas. Um, magnetized plasma coming from the sun, traveling towards the Earth. It takes between uh, a fast one will take about 12 hours. Uh, a typical one would take about 24 to 36 hours to go from the sun to the Earth. Now, we would also call that 150 million kilometers. So they're moving pretty fast to go in that sort of time, 150 million kilometers. And then if it's Earth-directed, that solar tsunami will strike the magnetic field of the Earth. And so you've basically got the magnetic field of the sun being pushed out with the solar tsunami. And what will happen is it'll, there's, the, there's the Earth surrounded by its magnetic field, and the solar tsunami will come in and poof, hit it like a big, like if I struck you in the face, face with a big pillow, moving at 500 kilometers a second, and the pillow weighed a billion tons. Okay? So as you'd expect the Earth's magnetic field gets pushed inwards because it's been hit by a billion tons of material, and that crumples, well, it pushes the magnetic field in, and that triggers a whole lot of things happening around the Earth. One good thing that it triggers is aurora. So we get really, really strong aurora, and it's not just strong, it moves away from the Arctic and the Antarctic and gets pushed up closer to the equator. 
So often a good solar tsunami will trigger beautiful aurora over New Zealand. So that's a good thing. On the negative side, if you have a changing magnetic field in space, there'll then be a changing magnetic field on the surface of the Earth. And there's this thing that you and your listeners may remember from high school physics called Faraday's Law of Induction. A changing magnetic field will induce an electrical current in a conductor. And humanity have put power grids and uh, gas pipelines all over the planet. And so the changing magnetic field will induce currents in these systems which aren't meant to be there. They are not good for that network. So that's the bad, that's the possibly negative side of it. So that's a long answer to a short question. No, it's a great answer. It's a comprehensive answer. So basically what you're saying is a solar tsunami could lead to some pretty widespread power outages around the world? Uh, an extreme one can. So, so solar tsunamis are not actually that uncommon. Um, one striking the Earth's magnetic field uh, probably on average a few times a month, um, giving nice aurora and all of these cool things. The, the, thing, the, the, the ones that we are worried about, and I don't mean like I can't sleep at night worried about, I mean, you know, it's a thing that we need to be concerned about and plan for, um, we think ha- will happen on the timescale of about every 100 or 200 years. And uh, there was an example of one in 1859, and which called the Carrington event. Um, and so basically we end up with an unusually big, unusually fast-moving solar tsunami, which will cause stunning aurora, like in 1859, um, but could induce currents so big that we end up with actual damage to the power grid. So the Carrington event, that, that was in 1859. Yep. We're in 2022 now where we have slightly different, uh, you know, electrical infrastructure. Uh, yep. Were the effects, you know, on society and on, our, on the normal day-to-day lives of people back in 1859, were they quite a bit different as to what you would expect an equivalent Carrington event being on the people of 2022? Absolutely. Excellent question. Because the thing is that the technology in 1859 is completely different. So there wasn't an electrical supply. Right, there wasn't an electricity grid. Um, uh, most people were getting around on horses. There was a huge problem. We're in cities. What do we do with all the horse poo? You know, like there, there weren't cars and things. There was, it was a major uh, ecological problem with all the horse poo in cities. Completely different situation. What they did have is a system which was called the telegraph, where countries and and indeed continents were joined together by wires where they sent Morse code across the wire because, you know, they didn't use radio in the in 1859. That's Marconi has to come along in the 1900s for us to have radio. So the, the, the telegraph system, the Internet of its age was disrupted by the Carrington event. But that wasn't that big a deal, right? So it didn't work for a few days. Yes, a few telegraph stations burst into flame. But, you know, it's not that bad. Nowadays, we are so dependent on electricity in terms of communications, refrigeration, life, um, let alone the Internet uh, and, 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 you know, the ability to deliver online lectures. And, you, you know, it would be it would be very difficult for us if core parts of the power network get burnt out. Recently, you were in the Chatham Islands uh, installing a magnetometer. Did, did I say that correctly? Magnetometer. Mag- magnetometer, not magnetometer. That's a bit too Marvel Comics. Um, what, was, what was behind that? You know, is it, 
Yep. And was it installed as some kind of defense against the solar event, or is it just giving us a better indication as yep. to when these things might happen? So we, are, we, we have recently been funded to do a research project on looking at the hazard of solar tsunamis to, the New, to New Zealand energy infrastructure, to understand that hazard and to work with the New Zealand energy industry on mitigation and planning. And what, what could we do to prepare? Because that's one of the nice things about solar tsunamis. It starts with the sun. We're going to have 12 hours. So we can do something in advance. It's not like an earthquake where, you know, you find out there's been an earthquake because somebody kicks you in the head. Right? This is this, this we've got planning time. So we've got this research project called solar tsunamis. And, um, one of the things we need to understand is how the magnetic field changes during when solar tsunamis hit the earth north, south, and east, west across New Zealand. So we've gone near Invercargill. We've put in the magnetometer. We've already got a couple of them in the South Island. We've gone to one of my uh, colleagues' parents' farms up in the King Country, and we're putting the magnetometer. We're planning one for up in Northland. But New Zealand's a long, skinny country, right? So we can get north-south really easily, but these magnetometers don't tell us very much about east-west. So we went to the Chatham Islands, and we've put one in the Chatham Islands, and that tells us about east-west really well. And that, and that will essentially help us... Uh you know, prepare in in these twelve yeah. hours. We yeah. get better sense of what to do. And 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 what what if we do get an alert saying, "Hey, you've got twelve hours before an extreme uh, solar yep. event yep. is going to hit." What what do we do? So we've already started the planning for that. Working with Transpower New Zealand, who own New Zealand's uh, electricity transmission network, it was really cool. I flew up there two weeks ago with one of my PhD students, who's been modelling the impact on the New Zealand power grid. Based on this PhD student's work, Transpower is now building a new recipe book for how to prepare for one of these, if there was an extreme solar tsunamis, in terms of switching different parts of the, of the network. That's what we would do if it was very big. If it was absolutely extreme, you can imagine the sensible thing to do would honestly be to switch off the whole power network. Actually bring the whole thing down, leave it off for a day, maybe two, the solar tsunami passes, we get the beautiful aurora, and then the electrical engineers sweat buckets for a day or two and bring the whole power network back up. And then we look at the rest of the world, some of whom won't have a power network anymore and will have to rebuild everything. And, and it sounds crazy and almost science fiction-like, but so did New Zealand's COVID response before we actually closed the border and did it. Well, well, you'd hope if, if, if New Zealand caught wind of this extreme solar event coming that we'd kind of let the rest of the world know that this is going to happen and suggest turning off their power grids too? We, we would. And honestly, um, we are not going to be telling the rest of the world that a solar tsunami is coming. We are going to be learning about it from NASA or the European Space Agency or maybe the Russians or the Chinese. I mean, right. honestly, anyone who can tell us that a solar tsunami is coming, and if it's, if it's a bad one, the whole world needs to know. Mm. And then what happens is the plans in each different country. And in that sense, New Zealand is getting really advanced and having a good plan. Mm. Um, but it really helps that New Zealand, I mean, we have lots of hazards in New Zealand. We live in a country with volcanoes and earthquakes and tsunamis and landslips and heavy winds and all of this stuff. So space weather is just, this, these solar tsunamis, it's just another part of the hazard matrix that we need to get ready for. Mm. What's interesting, Craig, is it feels like we aren't 
very used to conceptualizing the sun as this dynamic thing that's always going through change. Uh, you know, many people can't can't wrap their heads around the fact that the the sun is a star and it has a life cycle, and one day mm. it, it will die. That you know, that's difficult enough to grapple for some people. You know, absolutely. And the sun is incredibly dynamic. We are, like you say, we are used to the idea. You go outside, you stand in the sunlight. Oh, it's so nice. And you know, you you, you look at the sun and it doesn't seem to change. What changes is how much cloud is in the way. Mm. But when we look at the sun, not in visible wavelengths, but with X-rays or ultraviolet light, and take a picture of the sun, it is an incredibly dynamic, burning ball of flaming gas. Mm, yeah. um, and there's an 11-year solar cycle where the amount of X-rays changes by a factor of 100 from solar minimum to solar maximum. It's a very dynamic system. And that's where you get these explosions and material being thrown off. And But it's not something we need to be deeply scared of because this has been happening for 5 billion years. Mm. The issue is us. We've developed technology that's sensitive to it. But all of the rest of the time humanity's been around, we just saw the pretty lights. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it is. <laughs> um, well, I guess, I guess what, what's important uh, about this and about your research is maybe understanding that there's, there's no, de- no need for doomsday prepping just yet, you know, but, but, mm. but maybe a healthy interest uh, in solar events um, would, would be quite helpful. I totally agree. And and what, one of the things that, that I'm really grateful for is because, I mean, I've done basic research on space physics for my entire career. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning and all that. But it's been really fun doing something that's much more applied and hopefully will be useful for New Zealand. But at the same time, there are there are companies in New Zealand, Transpower, First Gas, these people that are providing the energy infrastructure who want to know how to prepare. You know, uh, and it's 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 just great. And with New Zealand being a relatively small society, it's not too hard to to find the right person to go talk to, mm-hmm. and then have a conversation. And they go, "Yeah, I am interested. Let's work together." And and that that that's been great because I have collaborators and friends from you know the UK and the US, and um, they're doing great science. But that linkage to industry is way harder for them than it turns out it's been for us in our relatively small country. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, we're lucky to live here, um, that's for sure. Uh, Craig, I feel that way all the time. <laughs> we've uh, run out of time, mate, but thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you for doing all the uh, very important research you're doing, and, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Seb. All good. See you later. This is the R1 News this is the R1 News on Radio 1 91FM. Te reo irirangi kōtahi. That was a Radio 1 91FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.